For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. On today's show, we're going to explore Facebook ads, performance and measurement changes with Allie Bloyd. If you want to understand how to benefit from all this change that's happening, you're going to want to stick around. We believe that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. I'm Michael Stelzner. This is the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. If you want to take your social ads to the next level without breaking the bank, I've got an exciting announcement. We've just announced our social paid track at Social Media Marketing World, where you can learn from the best in the business. Discover how to get a lot more out of your ads from the top experts, including Molly Pittman, Emily Hirsch, Tara Zerker, Ali Bloyd, who's joining us today, Brett Curry, and a bunch more. Don't wait. Grab your ticket at socialmediamarketing.world. Your piggy bank will thank you later. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. All right. And now for this week's expert guest, her name is Allie Bloyd. She's host of the Marketing Inc. podcast and also founder of Allie Bloyd Media, a leading training and ads consultancy for small businesses. Allie, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Always happy to be here. So we've got a lot of things that have changed with Facebook. Let's start with the very first thing, which is that Facebook is saying that it underreported its results to advertisers because of Apple iOS updates and privacy updates. What do we need to know about this? Help us understand what this means. Yeah, so I think this has been one of the biggest challenges for Facebook ad marketers this year is really navigating how those iOS 14 changes are really impacting their strategy, their tracking, and and understanding their own return on investment from their ads. And so across the board, they're saying that they have underreported conversions by about 15%, which doesn't mean those conversions didn't happen. It means you're simply not seeing them reported as conversions on your ads manager dashboard. So while some people may have not seen a tremendous underreporting, others may have. And I do think that it depends on what you're actually utilizing, which are some of the tips that Facebook is actually giving us. So for example, the conversions API tool, this is highly, highly, highly encouraged because it does help to overcome some of these reporting issues. Um, For example, we're only seeing like a one or 2% underreporting in our accounts, but we are using the conversions API with a third party tool. So it's going to look a little bit different for everyone, but I think that it just kind of reiterates the need for really verifying on your own what the conversions have been, where those purchases or opt-ins or or appointments originated from so that you have firsthand data and you're not simply relying on what's in your dashboard to determine if a campaign is profitable because it very well may be profitable, but if you're not seeing 
those conversion reports, it may not look as though it is. So just kind of keeping that in mind will help you understand how to analyze your ads from your dashboard a little bit differently than maybe you have in the past. So if they say they're under reporting performance by about 15%, this means that they are not able to track about 15%. But the fact is that I would imagine it's got to be worse than that, don't you think? I mean, like, how could it only be 15%? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think for some, it's definitely more than 15%. And they're probably just taking an average of a lot of different companies. Some of them may be using really advanced third-party tools. Uh, For example, one of the tools that we're using through the conversions API, it's actually not relying on browser tracking at all. So whenever someone submits a form or schedules an appointment or completes a survey, it's actually sending that information directly back to Facebook so that that browser is not even a consideration in those reporting. So even with that, there's still a little bit of a discrepancy, but if someone is still relying on browser tracking, it's going to be absolutely more than 15%. I mean, sometimes up to 50%, depending on the makeup of their users in terms of iPhone versus Android or Mac versus PC. Okay. So you mentioned that you should set up the conversions API. Is there any Facebook has recently come out with an article that kind of says, here's the things that you can take as a marketer to help you better measure. Um, They're saying you should wait at least 72 hours. Thoughts on that? I think it's definitely a minimum of 72 hours. We have seen sometimes the reporting take up to a week to actually make it to the dashboard, which again, most marketers, if you're really trying to stay on top of your campaigns and analyze the performance, especially if you've already done a lot of initial testing, waiting seven days to see something in terms of those results, it's a long time. And you could ultimately be wasting a lot of money on ads that are not performing if you don't take action sooner than that. And so again, really understanding that you need to be looking at wherever those appointments or those purchases or those leads are actually coming in. And you need to be keeping up with that on a more daily or you know every couple of days at the bare minimum to make sure that you've got an idea of what those conversions look like, where they're coming from before you even have to wait that time period to see them on your dashboard. So it is much different than what we had to do in the past, but it's actually much more accurate having to add this somewhat manual element into it. And for us personally, we've seen a lot of insights that maybe would have been missed if we didn't have to go in there and really verify the you know, first and last attribution of all of our appointments or clients or leads, um, which I think has been really helpful. But yeah, you definitely cannot see those results immediately as little as three days, but really we're seeing upwards of a week sometimes. Okay. So aggravated, uh, aggravated, aggregated, (laughs) we're all aggravated, right? Yes. Aggregated event management. They've announced some updates First of all, for those that don't know what it is, explain what it is and then what's changing. What do we need to understand? Yeah. So the aggregated events management is something that was added post iOS 14 updates. And it's kind of a part of the new 
pixel and tracking setup that you have to do for any ad account or any business. So the first step is having to have your domain verified. You can't even utilize that without a verified domain. If you are running ads, you want to go ahead and verify that domain. So Facebook knows that you are the owner of this and you are able to retarget and track those views or leads. So once you have that domain verified, you then get the option to set up these aggregated events, which is essentially telling the system, okay, these are the events that matter most to my business. And this is the order of their importance. And so what it's doing is even if you're not necessarily optimizing for a specific event with a conversion campaign, they still know internally what your most desired events actually are. So I'll give you kind of a real world example. Let's say that I was running a five-day challenge campaign. Well, a lot of times I'm using the conversions objective with a complete registration conversion event to get someone to register for that challenge. But that's not actually my end goal. It's to actually get someone to schedule an appointment with our team after they opt in. So it's a series of pages in the funnel. And even though that first step is what I typically optimize for because I've tested it, that's what works best for me in terms of my registration costs. They really know that my ultimate desire is that schedule event because that is my highest priority event inside of aggregated events management. So you really want to take a look at your business and say, you know, regardless of what type of campaigns I'm running, what do I actually want from my ads? So if you're selling anything directly online, you're clearly going to make purchase your number one objective. And then you kind of backtrack from there. So with that e-commerce example, it'd be purchase first, then initiate checkout, add payment, then add to cart, maybe view content. And you may have some other ones in there, but really looking at your own events of what people might be doing anywhere on your sites or in your funnels and saying, what is the highest priority? So when you're able to order those, it really gives the system a better idea of what you're really trying to optimize for regardless of your campaign objective. So there have been several little changes that have been made to aggregated events since it came up, you know, several months back. One of those was that if you had to edit those events, it would pause all of your campaigns for 72 hours wow. and you couldn't edit them within that window, which was definitely a disruption if you didn't necessarily do it right the first time. But I do think that they are adding some things that quite frankly, I think are pretty needed. Uh, one of the things that jumped out at me was for businesses that don't own their top level website. So for example, a franchise, we work with a lot of people who are a part of a franchise and maybe they don't own the main website that their business is under. They would have, you know, kind of their own page or maybe it's a subdomain of that website. Well, in the past, uh, those people have really struggled with some of their pixel installs and getting these domains verified and setting up those aggregated events. And, you know, in all honesty, it was not great for them because they didn't have a ton of options. We normally suggested that they get a brand new domain for their funnels and really just run it on that independent domain, which does work, but it's still, you know, just something else that you have to do. So now they are actually giving businesses that don't own those top level websites, the ability to use aggregated events, even on those subdomains, or, you know, however, those sites are set up for that specific franchise, or maybe it's a national company or something like that. 
So that's been one pretty big benefit. I also think that the other thing that they're really improving on in this area is the fact that in the past, they still were really trying to optimize for your campaign objective as its its primary focus. And so let's say you had somebody opt in on any given page, but then maybe it was being redirected to another page, maybe on a different domain as that following step. They're actually now able to kind of interweave those different domains together and see them as a whole as opposed to really disconnected, which means that if you are doing redirects at all in your funnels or have more than one domain, it's still going to be able to track people and encourage those conversions, even if that is a separate domain where that end goal purchase or schedule or whatever that top priority event is, it's still going to optimize for those things. So not everybody may really utilize that new improvement or that new feature. For me personally, it's actually going to be a great benefit. And then another thing is that it's also going to allow in-app purchases to really be optimized towards not just getting someone to install that app, but actually direct them towards those purchase events or whatever that core event may be for an app owner inside of the app. So different applications for different people and people in different situations. But I do think that all three of those things are pretty significant benefits based on the businesses we work with and the way that we do things internally. There's going to be several of my students that are very excited about those changes. So if you are a franchise or an app owner or have multiple domains, those things are really going to improve your conversions and your performance. I also read here that view through attribution is now defaulted for all new campaigns. Is that good or is that bad? What's your thoughts on that? Because that sounds like if they've just seen the page, they're going to credit it as a sale, right? And could, that could be problematic, could it not? Yeah, it definitely can be. Um, we're also seeing that all of the events in certain campaigns are really being attributed at the campaign level and not at the actual ad level, which I do not love. Again, because of all of these changes, we've really implemented more of like a manual verification process for any of those conversions. We're keeping a close eye on exactly where they're coming from. So we are able to see that on a more granular level. But I think this is a reason why people really need to get in the habit of doing one ad per ad set. And sometimes you may even want to have literally one ad per campaign if you are not implementing some of these more manual or back-end tracking mechanisms in your business. Uh, so for example, one of the campaigns we're running right now, I can see that a tremendous number of appointments has been scheduled from a specific ad. I have maybe eight ad sets that are running inside of this campaign and all of them are producing schedules and some a lot more than others, but literally one ad set has almost all of these scheduled appointments attributed there as opposed to spread out to where they really belong. Again, because we are verifying and tracking this on the back end, we're able to see that. But if I wasn't doing that, I would have no way of knowing 
if that was true or false. I'd definitely look at that and say, that's a little bit unusual. I don't know if I believe that. But at the same time, if you don't have anything else to compare it to, that data is all you're going to have to go on. So if that were me, I would have been shutting off all of those other seven ad sets within a campaign, believing that this one ad set, in fact, was producing all of my conversions when it wasn't. So that can be a really really bad thing if you are actually getting conversions from those other ad sets and those other ads and it's simply not recognizing it. So those are definitely not things I've loved to see. Again, makes these other aspects a lot more important for anyone spending really any amount of money on Facebook and Instagram ads. You know, one of the things that I tell my marketing department is that the fact is that we have less data now, whether it's paid or organic. And the limited amount of insights we have through our analytics just tell a story, right? And we have to look at that as a piece of the story where a year ago, it kind of was the whole story, right? Yeah, definitely. Now you have to like put your thinking cap on and and analyze things a lot harder. And I think this next question is going to be really interesting to a lot of people, which is that their Facebook has changed, I guess, or updated how they're identifying the size or the estimated size of audiences. So what do we need to know about what these changes are? Talk to me about this. Yeah, so almost everything that they've been updating recently has so much to do with the privacy changes, not only from iOS 14, but also really, I think just, you know, in the media, they're getting a lot more recognition for some of the things that they're doing poorly when it comes to the way that their users are being tracked or the things that they're doing on the back end that maybe, you know, users of the platform just don't even know is really going on. So one of those things was, if you had an Instagram account and a Facebook account, and maybe you used the same email to sign up for both of those accounts, they were saying, okay, this is one person. And they're counting that as one person within an audience size. Now that's not going to be done. They're not really going to make any assumptions about if accounts belong to the same person or really use any of that data to determine it, you will have to go into your account center and you'll have to actually link your Facebook and Instagram account together for them to be counted as one single person. Otherwise, it's going to be counted as two people. However, if you were only advertising on Facebook and you weren't using those Instagram placements, that wouldn't have been anything that you would have dealt with regardless. But if you are advertising across those different placements, then you may have had instances where your audience size was, you know, maybe it was accurate in terms of knowing whose accounts belong to who and counting it as one single person. But now it's really counting it as different accounts even if those accounts may belong to one individual. So unless people are linking that in the account center, which I don't think is probably going to be done on a mass scale, just because your typical Facebook and Instagram user, they just don't even know a lot of these features exist. Um, And I'm not sure how much of a benefit it will be for them. They're probably not going to do it. And so you just kind of have to assume that your audience or the size of your potential audience may actually be smaller in terms of individual people, which is why they're giving a range now, as opposed to, you know, one solid number for estimated audience size. Just so I'm clear, if the user doesn't link the accounts together, it's not us as the advertiser, it's the user. So because most users are never going to do this, you're going to think you've reached more people than you've really reached is what I'm hearing you say. Is that right? Exactly. That's correct. Wow. 
Okay. And they've also changed some abilities to target, right? Specific kinds of, what is it? What Updates to pre-campaign estimates. For, did we just talk about this? Yeah. So the, it does tie into that exactly. Oh yeah. Okay. One of the aspects is mainly that they're just changing what it's called. Instead of calling it audience size, they're calling it potential reach or actually the flip side of that, just to kind of make it more standard across advertising platforms and the way that people would see that data maybe in another form of advertising. But ultimately, that change is the reason that they're doing that for the most part. Two more things. First of all, Facebook has decided to get rid of some targeting categories starting in January of next year. What do we need to know about this? So I think this really kind of goes back to everything that we've been experiencing as marketers on these platforms for the last six months or more. They are having to remove certain things because in the past, it really was based on those privacy options or lack thereof that they even had the data available to put someone in a specific targeting category. So I still believe that now more than ever, it is really, really important to do two things when it comes to your targeting. Number one, it's to have great data to add as custom audiences and then utilize those as lookalike audiences. So making sure that you're really doing a good job of building your own list, not really relying just on views to your site or your content, that you are getting people to opt in for something. And it doesn't matter what kind of business you have, you can find a way to do that because those lists are very powerful in helping those lookalikes be created. And I have not really seen any negative impact on my lookalike audiences so far. So that is going to vary depending on what information people have been using for their lookalikes in the past, but we always use first-party, first-hand data, and those are working really, really well. And then the second thing is really trying to build an audience on the platforms, and that is really video views is the best way to do that, in my opinion, because by using video view campaigns where that activity is actually tracked inside of the platform, Facebook is getting a lot more of that firsthand data. And that data can also be used to create lookalikes based on data that is not going to be infringing on anyone's privacy. So those two things are, are what we've really focused on for the last six months or so in the targeting aspects. And they're going to become a lot more important. So depending on what you were doing before, you know, you may have to shift things around. But I do think if you can really focus on building up your own lead and customer data, those are the things that will serve you the most moving forward and really starting to maybe put out more video content, run more engagement-focused ads so that you are building an audience of people you can retarget or build lookalikes around that has nothing to do with privacy outside of the platform. Well, and it's worth calling out that there's some very specific targeting that's going away. Um, first of all, they're giving examples like health causes, like Lung Awareness Day, World Diabetes Day, chemotherapy. They're all gone. They're also talking about religious holidays are not going to be targetable anymore. So they're saying, for example, if you celebrate Christmas or you celebrate Hanukkah, it's not going to be targetable anymore. There are also social causes, organizations, public figures, political beliefs. 
I mean, they're covering a pretty broad range. So if you, for example, are in the business of making, let's say something for Hanukkah, right? You're not going to be able to target people that celebrate Hanukkah anymore. It's literally gone. Okay. Now they're doing it because they're trying to stop what appears to be targeting, you know, negative targeting of anyone that's what they call a sensitive category, right? Like health, race, and ethnicity, political affiliation, religion, and sexual orientation. But I guess that's why what you just said before is so important, right? Because if you're in the business, maybe you're a nonprofit trying to target people for, you know, certain causes that are health related, guess what? It's gone. And they're also gone targeting people that are public figures in those categories. I mean, it's kind of a big deal, isn't it? I think so. And, but I think there's always a way to get creative. So we already talked about the video views and the list building, but if you really think about it, you know, those things were kind of like the easy button for a lot of businesses and not every business had that opportunity. However, just because someone is saying they celebrate Christmas it doesn't mean that those are all the people who are celebrating Christmas. So I actually think that those audiences uh, exclude people that could have been included in those audiences. So this can be a good opportunity to reach more people that weren't potentially added into those categories based on, you know, the pages that they're liking and the things that they're doing. I also think there are so many other similarities between different groups of people that can be found. And you might just need to get a little bit more creative and dig into your avatars and, and speak to your different clients and the people in your audience to find out, okay, if I can't use this targeting option, that's a little bit more straightforward. What are the other things that these people kind of all have in common that I could test out as my targeting? And also going back to the video views example, you know, if I am a nonprofit and I'm running video ads that focus on, you know, the problem that I'm solving or the topic related to what I do, the people who are spending time watching those videos clearly have an interest in what I'm discussing. So those people are able to be directly retargeted and then the lookalikes built off of those audiences are essentially going to give you the exact same type of thing, but it's more of a workaround. Got one other news item, but before I go there, folks, as you can tell, the ad space is complicated. It's changing and it's going to continue to change, especially because of all these cross-platform Instagram, Facebook, privacy stuff. And and there's a reason why you need to keep up on this stuff because otherwise, you know, you might be wasting money with your ads. And this is why you might want to consider coming to Social Media Marketing World to hear from people like Ali and so many other people uh, who are going to be teaching there. And even if you can't travel, you can get an on-demand ticket, you can get a streaming ticket. So get your all-access ticket, though, which is the super awesome ticket where you get everything by visiting socialmediamarketing.world. Okay, the last news item, Ali, is Meta has announced that it's getting rid of its facial recognition system. And Meta, for everyone, is now the company that owns Facebook, right? It's it's the name change. One more change. Yeah, there'll be more. Facial recognition system shutting down. This may or may not be an ads thing, but I know it is a privacy thing. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? You know, I don't know that it's going to have a, a huge impact on most people. It, I think it's more of a convenience factor. There are definitely concerns for a lot of people about, you know, automatic facial recognition, especially in a time where your face can actually unlock a lot of your devices and accounts. And I think that that is not necessarily something that's become an issue, but I think because of everything they've dealt with, it's something that they want to prevent becoming an issue. So the things that I've read up on it, I mean, really the only 
downsides, I think, would be especially for the visually impaired because the facial recognition option was something that that they definitely could utilize that isn't something that just a screen reader would be able to help them with. Again, I think there's, you know, ups and downs to almost every change, but I don't see it as something that I'm upset about. Absolutely not. I don't know that it'll impact the Facebook ad space, but I do just think that all of these changes that we're seeing are really only the tip of the iceberg. We're going to keep seeing more. We're going to have to continue to navigate through the constant updates and the constant changes. And really just everyone who's marketing in this space needs to understand that this is not something you learn and then you move on. This is a never-ending learning space. You've got to embrace the changes, embrace the shifts in the strategy that are going to come with it because they're not going to stop. And if you're dreading every single change, it's going to be a lot more difficult for you because you know change is the only constant in this business. Folks that are listening to the podcast, you may not know, but we go live every Friday at noon Pacific on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Folks that are watching live, you may not know that this is a podcast. And if you can't catch everyone, you can go check it out. It's called the Social Media Marketing Talk Show on your favorite podcast. And then we have another podcast called the Social Media Marketing Podcast, which I host. And Ali, you've been on it multiple times. Ali, why don't you tell everybody where they can discover more about you? And if you want, you can drop your podcast in there too. Yeah, absolutely. So my podcast is called Marketing Inc. That's I-N-K. So you can check that out. That's got some great long-form content. My YouTube channel has also got a ton of Facebook ad and different social media marketing video tutorials, which is awesome. You can also find me at Allie Bloyd Media on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. And I would love to connect with you guys in any format that's a good fit for you. All right, everybody. Until next time, may you be super wise with your marketing decisions, especially when it's ads. See y'all next time. Bye-bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more Social Media Insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.